Uh, this teaching already, learning to obey Jesus' command to heal the sick. In fact, much of it's based on Roger Sapp's teaching and books that we experienced a few weeks ago. So in the next couple of Thursdays, it's going to be here at Parkway Thursday evening at 7 p.m. You can sign up the sheet out in the foyer, and uh, we'll let you know. If you put your phone number beside it, if you don't think you'll be here in the next couple of Sundays when we announce the starting date, then uh, put your phone number beside it or your email, and we'll shoot that out to you, okay? And so I would just love for each one of you to be part of that teaching. I really would. Uh, So let's go to God's Word this morning, if that's okay. And then we're going to close with worship. Uh, This morning, we're going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit. I've entitled this message, Introducing Holy Spirit. And I think that in the days that we're living... uh, the, the old model of of the, the old model of doing uh, church has always been that we expect people to come here within these four walls, and and you know we've done that over the years to some degree, but as society gets more and more uh, non-Christian. Okay, there was a time when every person at least knew the Lord's Prayer, had a Gideon's Bible, and knew the Ten Commandments, and knew who Jesus was. So in that culture, it's easy to just invite people to church. But in a culture where people have never opened a Bible, they just recently did a poll in the United States amongst, I think it was grade fives, and they had three pictures. They had Ronald McDonald, they had Abraham Lincoln, and they had Jesus Christ. And, and, and only a small percentage knew who Jesus or Abraham Lincoln was, but they all knew who Ronald McDonald was. That is the world that we live in. In North America, we are no longer considered a Christian nation, according to the United Nations. We're actually considered a non-religious nation. And so it is more and more important for us to get back to how the Scriptures told us that we are to go out and proclaim Jesus. And we're going to see over the next number of weeks that that as, as wonderful as it is, and as much as we need to keep inviting people here and, and create an atmosphere and a welcoming atmosphere and run programs that are attractive to people, the reality is for every few people you get that way, you co- and I come into contact collectively with hundreds if not thousands of people every day, and the person of the Holy Spirit lives in us and wants to touch them through you. And I think it's time for the church to stop being lazy and thinking we've done our part by saying, hey, come. So I believe that Jesus wants us to be able to go out and pray and see the sick healed so that we have the opportunity to share Christ, that we can just be bold enough just to tell and stand with people. And so that teaching that Bill Johnson's going to have on Wednesdays, the teaching that we're going to have on Thursday night is going to help facilitate that. And the teaching that we're going to do Sunday mornings I believe is going to help clear, uh, show us some of that, okay? So you ready to hear God's word this morning? If you're visiting with us, I'm really glad that you're here today. And uh, aren't you glad you're not camping? It is so muggy out there. Yeah. Yeah. I like camping as long as there's central air in it. I was telling Jackie that we used to camp so much. When we were youth pastors, we used to take the kids camping and stuff, and we'd sit around the campfire, you know, and, and uh, I still remember Sundays, we'd come back Saturday night sometimes, and you'd come and you'd clean up, and then I'd have to lead worship Sunday morning, and I'd be on the platform going, man, I showered for half an hour, and I still smell like firewood and 
Oh, you just couldn't get it out of you. And so part of me misses those days and part of me doesn't. But if you're visiting, I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. I just hope and trust that you can sense and feel the blessing of God on your life. So, introducing Holy Spirit. You know, I think the Holy Spirit is very often the most misunderstood, often neglected, and sometimes even taken for granted person, not only in the church, but I think in our lives. And we are going to be camping out on our teaching on him. He's an important subject because without the Holy Spirit, there's no Christianity. There's only another religion, empty religion. Uh, Without the Holy Spirit, everything that Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross fully and completely made it available to us, righteousness, forgiveness of sins, victory. Without the Holy Spirit... All of that is academic and theological, but it's not experiential. And so I I said it before, and I'll say it again, but God has given us no provision to live the Christian life outside of the power and the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes, uh, well, in the broader sense, everything that God does on earth among people, he does exclusively through the Holy Spirit, and everything that God does in us and through us he does through the Holy Spirit. As, as believers in Jesus, I, th- I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think a simple formula to understand how the Trinity, the Godhead works, is this. God the Father wills it, whatever it is. God the Father wills it. The Jesus made it possible. Everything, all of the Old Testament promises and prophecies, all of the New Testament promises and prophecies have been made fully and completely available through what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, resurrection, and in his sinless life. But it's the Holy Spirit who brings it into our practical experience. So that's kind of uh, how the Godhead works. So every experience that you have had with the presence of God, every spiritual blessing that you have received, if you were here two weeks ago or last week or six months ago or a year ago, and you experienced the healing power of Jesus in your body, that was the Holy Spirit. Everything that we can experience with and through and by God is the Holy Spirit working. It's him that we've encountered. See, Jesus came to earth and walked among us for about 33 years. He lived a sinless life. He died uh, on the cross for us. He was buried for three days, tasted death on our behalf, conquered death and hell, took the keys of authority from Satan, and then for 40 days taught his disciples. Then he ascended to the Father. Jesus is still in heaven with the Father. Theologically, he's not living in your heart. Theologically, he's not living on earth. Even though he said, the Father and I will come and take residence in you. Why can he say that? Because the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to 100% and with all authority represent them. So when Jesus says, I will come and make my home in you, that is true, but it's the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that comes and lives inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit is important. He's very important. And Jesus will not come back to earth until he literally comes to establish his kingdom. In fact, he told his own disciples, I must go so that the counselor of the Holy Spirit can come. It's the Holy Spirit who now completely works for God. Can you imagine when he said to the disciples, he even said to them, it's better that I go. And from their perspective, they were like, what gets better than getting to hang with the Son of God? And Jesus said, it's better because the Spirit of God 
will live inside you. And not only will I get to hang with the 12 and the 72 people, but the Spirit of God will literally indwell people and cover the planet with the glory of God. Jesus said it's better. And maybe for the disciples at first it didn't seem better, but for you and I it's better. Because Jesus, as the man Jesus, can only be in one place at one time. So if he was still on this earth, unless he was physically here with us this morning, we couldn't be with him. But I want you to know he is here with us by the Holy Spirit in each one of you. And did you feel him manifesting when we were, could you just feel his presence when we were worshiping this morning? See, it's better. It's better. And so some of the confusion, oh, so uh, let me uh, say this. So by way of introduction, let's start at the very start and establish a few things and maybe for some clear things up. First of all, the Holy Spirit's not an it. You know, you hear people, and I know John Bevere said this in his teaching too, and it's, it's absolutely true. You hear people say, I love it when the Holy Spirit moves. It's so precious. He's not an it. He is a he. Jesus always referred to the Holy Spirit as he. The Holy Spirit is not... Uh, substance that emanates from God. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force or impersonal power that we tap into. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit that kind of emanates from God. The Holy Spirit is a person, a divine person, the third person of the Trinity, equal to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is eternal, and he is the third person of the Trinity. And so as he is equal with God, he is worthy of our devotion, our adoration, and our obedience. See, I think some of the confusion comes because he's referred to in Scripture as the fire of God. He's referred to as the breath of God or the wind of God. He's re, you know, we, we see that when Jesus was baptized, he came uh, in the appearance of a dove. The Bible never says he came as a dove. It says he appeared as a dove. In the book of Acts, we're going to look at it next week. In Acts chapter 2, it says he appeared as a, as a, a fire, a tongue, or like a candlestick fire over their heads. Those are all things that are used to describe the Holy Spirit, but they describe the function of the Spirit. They don't describe Him uh, fully and completely in His personhood. And so I think because of some of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit, and you hear people pray, let the fire fall, the fire of the Holy Spirit, and that's all, that's all good. But the Holy Spirit's not some fire that just kind of spreads uncontrollably. He has a will, He has a purpose, and He has a way. It's like the, the Scripture in Revelation John said, he was looking at Jesus, and John said, I saw a lamb looking as if he'd been slain. And then a few sentences later, he flips it and says, and I saw the lion of the tribe of Judah who had overcome. He described Jesus as a lamb and a lion. He wasn't saying he's a four-footed animal. But he was describing a function of Jesus, something that Jesus accomplished as a sacrificial lamb and as the Lion of the tribe of Judah who overcame. And so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit and we use terms like, oh, let the river flow. Yes, we're talking about the Holy Spirit manifesting and moving like a river, but he's not just some body of water or some fire, right? Okay, so we have to be careful of that. And I think as Pentecostals, there's been a lot of teaching on what the Holy Spirit does and what he brings, but not necessarily on who he is. And so I want to remind us that what he does and what he brings to our lives, to our church, and our experience flows out of who he is. 
We can refer to him as the fire of God because it's the Holy Spirit who cleanses us. It's the Holy Spirit who takes the blood of Jesus, applies it to our lives, and the Bible says cleanses us and turns us into pure gold. We, we, when he comes and, and he falls in a place, we can say, man, he's just like refreshing water that, that just washes away our weariness and tiredness. All of those are functions of the Holy Spirit and describe how he moves and how he manifests. But he is a he and he has a will, and he has a purpose for your life and my life. It always describes a function that he brings, but he is God, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. Amen? So Jesus always referred to the Spirit as he. And the Holy Spirit in Scripture has attributes that are described to personhood. Now, I'm going to read these Uh, And I'll put this scripture verses up so that you can just see them uh, where they're found. And Tuesday morning, uh, if you, I have a blog and I'll put this on there, okay? So all the information I give this morning will almost be there. So you can go uh, visit the scriptures later. You can find that blog, Black's Blogging. You can find it on our website. So first of all, the Holy Spirit is attributed to having things that you only have if you're a person. He has a mind, Romans 8, 27. He speaks, he forbids, he teaches, he can be grieved, it, he, he can be blasphemed. In fact, this truth came real to me through John Bevere's teaching. In fact, I want you to think about this. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 32, that any word spoken, any blasphemy spoken against the Father and even against the Son, think of how powerful the name of Jesus is and what that name represents Jesus says that if you blaspheme, speak against the Father, and speak against him, Jesus, the Son, he says, it'll be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. You've got the Father and the Son saying, don't touch the Holy Spirit. There's this protective sense that the Father and the Son have of the Holy Spirit. And I think the reason is because the Holy Spirit represents them and what the Father gave in the Son and what the Son accomplished on the cross, the Holy Spirit brings that into our experience. And the Father and the Son are saying, hey, people, the Holy Spirit's among you, but if you blaspheme him, don't touch the Holy Spirit. I want you to think of how important he is to the Father and the Son. I want you to think of how important it is that we don't say no to the Holy Spirit. Because the Father and Son are saying, uh, 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 don't touch him. Hebrews 10, 29 tells us the Holy Spirit can be insulted. He can be lied to. He can even be resisted. Ever resisted the Holy Spirit? Oh, come on. <laughs> Ever lied to the Holy Spirit? 99% of you just did. Holy Spirit can be resisted. I know there's times the Holy Spirit's had to wear me down because I've resisted him. And all of those things uh, apply to personhood. He's a divine person. He has a will. He feels. He speaks. He communicates. He is God with us. He is God in us. He's God empowering us. So the Holy Spirit is also the one who makes scriptures come alive to us. Because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the one through whom he breathed into men and men wrote down the scriptures. So he is ultimately the author 
uh, of the scriptures, and he's the one that makes the scriptures alive to us. The Hebrews tells us that they're living in active. active. Uh, you know, the, the Bible isn't just a book. There's times I'm reading the Bible, and I'll be honest, I'm just, I'm reading it, I close it, and I get on with my life. But man, I tell you, Sometimes it's an hour later, two hours, three hours later, the Holy Spirit starts to bring back those principles and those things and starts to deal with me. Sometimes I'm reading the scripture and such comfort, such joy, such revelation comes to my life like can happen with no other book that I've read. And I've read a lot of books because the Holy Spirit takes that word and he breathes it into our spirit. So let me just throw this out for free. Uh, before you sit down and do your, your Bible reading in the morning or evening or on your coffee break whenever you do it, Spirit of God, I just pray you'd speak to me through the word today. I just pray you'd breathe this word into my spirit today. And Holy Spirit, when you speak to me through it, may I be quick to act and quick to obey and quick to adjust. In Jesus' name, amen. And I guarantee you, he'll start to speak to you through the scriptures. Right? In the book of Acts, it's amazing how much the early church was dependent on, led by and spoken to, and in fellowship and partnership with the Holy Spirit. Uh, if, if you want a good place to start reading as we're in this series, start reading in the book of Acts. I've been reading in it, and, and a little while ago, I just started to list everywhere it mentions that the Holy Spirit speaks, moves, baptizes, heals, forgives, leads, and I'm telling you, not a chapter in the book of Acts goes by that you don't read, and the Holy Spirit said, and the Holy Spirit spoke, and the Holy Spirit drove, and the Holy Spirit did this, and the Holy Spirit did that, and the Holy Spirit baptized, and the Holy Spirit set free, and the Holy Spirit. And you've got to realize that for the first at least 40 years, possibly even more than that, uh, there was no New Testament scriptures written. In fact, there wasn't any Gospels until about 40 AD, and yet the early church was Jesus-focused. They continued Jesus' ministry. They continued healing the sick. They continued uh, proclaiming him, and the church spread by the thousands all over the then-known world, and that was without the New Testament. Why? Because they were in tune with and intimate with the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit always do? He always gets us to the place where he just gently steps aside and points points us to Jesus. And so the New Testament church was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. They walked with him in absolute intimacy and partnership. And I think sometimes, you know, in, in my life, we've relegated the Holy Spirit to those times of when we're reading the Bible or those specific times of prayer. Man, the, the early believers the Holy Spirit would speak to them while they were walking down the street. He would tell them what to do with their money. He would tell them what to do when they saw someone suffering. He would tell them where to go and, and who to speak to when they got there. And this was in the everyday flow of life. The church was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes, you know, I think sometimes we let the Holy Spirit out at special times of the year, even in, in the modern church. It's time we let the Holy Spirit out and have his way, amen? Because he has the plan for our church. I'm going to say that again. We always say the Holy Spirit has a plan. No, he has the plan for our church, and he has the will for your life. Jesus said that he came to give his life and life more abundantly. You know where that abundant life comes from? In submission to and in the power of and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that brings it to pass. So the Holy Spirit is God in our midst. It's God himself in us. 
And he brings all of the resources and blessings of the Almighty in our lives. And he wants to be so precious in your life. You know why? Because you're so precious to him. He loves you. Yep. So his presence in you and me, his activity on the earth is the reason Jesus left. It's the reason he said it's better that he goes. And now we have the incredible privilege and honor of not only walking with God uh, as Jesus' disciples did, but God living inside us in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. I don't know about you, but it's the people that are closest to me in my life that I often take the most for granted. It's the people that are most precious to me that I often treat the worst. Is that, is that true of you? Just because we're around them all the time, right? That's, that's probably true of all of us. And the Holy Spirit is your constant 24-7 companion. And I think so very often we can just take him for granted. So very often it's too easy for us to ignore him or say no to him or not even be aware that he's there. You know, more and more I'm not praying, oh, Holy Spirit, manifest yourself in this place. But more and more when I, I sit here and we're in worship, I pray, Holy Spirit, let us be aware that you're already here. I don't think the Holy Spirit gets any more powerful at the, start of, at the end of worship than he does the start. It's just we kind of get the cobwebs out and we clear it all out and we become more and more aware of who he is and his presence here. And then we become more and more aware of Jesus and what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And so I think the goal in life isn't, oh, more Holy Spirit, more of you. It's Holy Spirit, here's more of me. I'm living in a greater awareness of you in my life. And it comes very practical. I'm just going to tell you something practical. And, I, you know, I was in the store the other day, uh, yes, yesterday, no, Friday. I was in the store Friday, and I was going to buy something. And I felt the holy, and it was $5, and it was in a bin, and it was stuff on sale. So you can probably guess what it was. And I kept wanting to buy it, and I, was exci- and I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't. And I said, it's only $5. And the Holy Spirit said, but that $5 will pollute your soul. So I put it back. It was a CD, and I put it back. And I walked out of there. So I'd, I'd love to say that, you know, I'd love to say that there comes a point where we outgrow the need for that, but every stage in our lives, every stage in our lives, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us that practically. Did you see my argument with the Holy Spirit, though? It's only five bucks. And it says, and that five bucks is going to pollute your spirit. Ooh, doesn't take much for us to get out of sync with where the Holy Spirit wants us to be. Amen? Amen. So he wants to speak to us like that. I think the Old Testament saints would be jealous of our potential intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit that is available to us every second of the day. David was, David was just a, I say he was a goofy guy, you know, because on the one hand, he was so manly. He was this incredible warrior that took on everybody and anybody and and he, in fact, he, he had so much blood on his hand for being set, so battle-scarred and warrior that, that God told him, you can't build the tabernacle because there's been so much violence in your life. Think about that. And yet, on the other hand, he would weep before God and say, I just want to know your presence. I think David would be jealous of what you and I have as New Testament believers. He'd say, man, you don't need to go to the tabernacle you can get near the Holy of Holies to experience. You don't need to go somewhere where you're all alone and you can just sit and focus on God. He says, man, you can be walking through Walmart and the Holy Spirit can speak to you. How lucky are you? Yeah. 
You don't need to go to the ephod that the priests wore and say, should we go or should we not go and show us through this ephod? The Holy Spirit says, uh, David would say, all you have to do is ask and God will speak to your inner person. You guys are so blessed. And so I'm just going to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I just want to read something that maybe seems like we're going in a, in a different direction, but it's going to set us up for the days to come. It's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And then when we're done, we're going to bring the worship team back, and we're going to go to a time of just worship and honoring the Holy Spirit, inviting uh, the greater reality of his presence in our lives, and we're also going to pray for the sick and for any needs that are represented. Amen? When we're done this message today, there should be an, a, a more of a, an awareness that if you're sick in your life, Jesus has already paid the price on the cross for you to be healed, and the Holy Spirit is here, and he will just bring what is Jesus and make it known in your experience. That's why we're speaking on this this morning. Amen? All right, Galatians 3. When he was hung on the cross, that is Jesus, of course, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Okay, that blessing was the blessing of being in covenant relationship with God. Okay, so that blessing is salvation, the forgiveness of sins, and being able to walk with God. So Jesus was cursed so that we could be blessed with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Now listen to this. This is why we're blessed. So that, say that with me, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. This is how important the indwelling Holy Spirit is. Paul, in this passage of Scripture, and again, this isn't exhaustive, but he was making a point here. He said, Jesus Christ hung on the cross so we could enter into the covenant relationship that the Jewish people had as his special people in special relationship with him. Jesus died on the cross so that he took our curse so you and I, the curse can be lifted and we can be forgiven and come into relationship with him and, and have this wonderful relationship with God. And, and Paul here says, and you can have this forgiveness of sins. The curse can be removed so that the promised Holy Spirit can come live inside of you. This hit me this week. I've never seen this in this scripture before. We always think that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is incidental. I get saved, and oh yeah, the Holy Spirit gets thrown in. I was saved and forgiven so that the Holy Spirit can live in me, bring the promise of God, which is salvation. How many of you know Jesus died to make salvation possible, but it's the Holy Spirit who, when we ask for forgiveness of sins, he lives in us. That Zoe God life takes up residence in us. I pass from death to life because of what Jesus made possible, but it's the Holy Spirit who brings new life into me, right? So Jesus was cursed so that for the express purpose of the Spirit of God living inside of me. And so that means two things for us this morning. The curse was lifted so that intimacy with God could be restored that was lost in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and were cursed. Now you say, how do you go all the way back there? Well, Jesus became a curse. So the curse could be lifted from us. And when did the curse enter into our human experience? Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve chose sin. The curse came. They chose to listen to the devil. They handed the keys and the authority that they had for this planet over to the devil. And the Bible says that they were shut out from Eden, shut out from the tree of life. 
And the whole planet became cursed. Jesus became a curse so that what was lost in the first Adam, Jesus is called the second Adam. He was a man, perfectly lived life on our behalf. He said, he stood before God and said, I, I was able to do what no one else on this planet has been able to do. He says, I live perfectly free from the control of the enemy and the control of sin. So now I can step in on behalf of everyone else, become their sin, become cursed on their behalf, and pay the price, right? And that was predicted all the way back in Genesis 3 when humanity fell. And so let's break out for a moment. God wanted a people. He could partner with establishing his kingdom on earth. He placed on earth this perfect place called Eden. Then in Eden, he placed Adam and Eve, his people, and this is what he told them in Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful and multiply. And he says, fill the earth and subdue it. We miss the word subdue so often. So what we have in, in Genesis is we have God who has this planet. And in this planet, God creates this idyllic, perfect garden called Eden in the midst of the planet Earth. And in that planet, he places two people, Adam and Eve, and this is what he tells them. He tells them, you're going to be my managers. You're going to care for this planet. I give you the keys and the authority of this earth, and then as you are fruitful and multiply, the generations, your children and their children and their children are going to do what? Subdue the earth. That shows us that not all of the earth had the same conditions that Eden had. Did you realize that? The earth had to be subdued. They had to bring... The rest of the earth, they basically had to take the borders of Eden and push them out from Eden until the conditions of Eden covered the whole earth and God's glory in people, because people were created in his image. God's glory would cover the earth and the whole earth would come under the submission, God's kingdom. Uh, and what does kingdom mean? King's domain, God who's king, left people in charge of this planet and said, establish my kingdom all over the earth by pushing the borders of Eden and subduing the rest of the earth and making it like Eden. That's humanity's purpose. That's our purpose. But that purpose was lost when we fell. Sin entered the world. People were cursed, and the authority was handed over to Satan. So when Jesus hung on the cross, he was cursed so that the curse could be lifted and all who believe on him could be restored to their original purpose. So are you ready for this? Are you still tracking with me this morning? Okay, even if you're not, just say yes so I feel good about this, okay? Are you still tracking with me this morning? Yes. Oh, okay, good. That's good preaching, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so are you ready? The Holy Spirit, when Jesus becomes our curse and we apply his, his sacrifice to our lives, the curse is lifted, the Spirit of God comes and lives in us. And what does he start to do? He starts to regenerate the image of Christ in us. The image of Christ is the image of God. And what were people originally created in? The image of God. So the Holy Spirit comes and starts to restore that. And then as the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, as I share with Matt, and then Matt shares with Sandy, and then Sandy shares with Steve, and then Steve, Steve goes and becomes a missionary somewhere, suddenly all over the world, these regenerated people, the image of, of God that is in Steve and in Sandy and Matt, the image of God by the Holy Spirit that is in me, who's sanctifying me and changing me and restoring me to my original purpose, all of a sudden, all over the world, the image of God, the glory of God is starting to cover the earth once again. 
because of the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in me. And then as people submit to Jesus Christ, the kingdom, the king's domain starts to spread all over the earth through people. That's why the Holy Spirit, first of all, lives inside of you. There's, there's a lot more. Again, this isn't exhaustive, but I think this is one of the things that we've lost sight of. The Holy Spirit is in you and I, not just to help us with our lives. And yes, he does that, and we're going to look at that. He is our comforter and our strength, but he is in you because through you, God is wanting to reestablish his authority, his kingdom on earth. And everywhere you go, you're taking those conditions of righteousness, of forgiveness, of Jesus Christ and him glorified. You're taking those conditions everywhere you go so that God can establish his kingdom through you. That's good stuff. Whether you're getting it or not, that is good preaching. Yeah. And so with delegated authority, see, when Jesus died, and you'll see this on Bill Johnson's video Wednesday, but when Jesus died, what did he do? He went and took the keys of death and hell and the keys of authority to this planet from Satan. So when Matt received Jesus Christ as Savior and the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of him, what did Jesus say? He says, Matt, whatever you bind on earth will be bind, and whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed. Why? Because he said, I give you the keys that I took back from Satan, and it's the Holy Spirit in us that enables us to do that. Secondly, God wanted a people he could fellowship and be intimate with as a father to his children. Genesis 3.8 tells us that God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Face-to-face fellowship, intimacy, sharing, and that was lost uh, on a very big way when the curse came. We became separated as people from God But when Jesus was cursed for us and we received by faith what he accomplished on Calvary, we we can once again know daily intimacy with God. You were saved and redeemed so that the Holy Spirit could come and live right inside of you and God could once again establish that relationship. Father to son, father to daughter, daughter to father, son to father once again. Isn't that awesome? The Holy Spirit lives in you because he desperately, desperately loves you. And, And... Thank goodness we don't have to wait to the cool of the day to walk with God. He is with us 24-7. The Holy Spirit and the curse being lifted allows God to once again be intimately involved with his people. Comes and lives right inside us. How precious and important is the Holy Spirit, amen? Jesus was cursed so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. He paid the price and removed the obstacles so that everything that God has for us now is now legally available to us. But it's the Holy Spirit that takes our legal rights and brings it down to our experience. So let's go back to, to after, after we're born again. The Bible says that let us boldly come to the throne of grace and find what? Mercy in our time of need. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that I have legal access to God the Father even when I sin and I blow it and I say no to the Holy Spirit and I kind of snub what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says, what do I do? I boldly and legally I have access to the throne of grace because in that hour I will find what? Mercy. 
in my time of need. So Jesus has given us legal access, but it's the Holy Spirit who says to me, Jay, you can sit and you can feel shame and you can feel broken and you can feel like a failure, or you can take that legal access, come in the presence of Jesus, apply his wonderful, precious blood once again to your life, and the Holy Spirit says, I'll clean you up, I'll convict you, and then I'll clean you up and I'll send you on your way. It's the Holy Spirit that brings that into our experience. When I'm sick, I... I, you know, some of you heard the testimonies and how Jackie brought her friend from work and her friend from work. By the way, her friend from work is still eating and drinking coffee and doing everything she could. Completely, 100% healed. Amen? And, and her friend could come and sit here and just say, and say, this stomach is healed because of what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. By Jesus' stripes, all of the problems that I'm getting tested for, all of the things that are robbing me of just a full life can be mine because of what Jesus legally has given me on the cross. And the Holy Spirit came and touched her and says, oh, I feel something. That was the Holy Spirit. Bringing into her experience what Jesus legally provided for her. The Holy Spirit is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Salvation isn't only a future distant thing we obtain when we die and go to heaven. Abundant eternal life starts now and is available because Jesus paid the price, but the Spirit brings it into our daily experience. 